let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We give all the glory and praise for who you are. Thank you so much for your love towards us. We saw the first Sunday of this month, of this year, and Lord, you brought us to the end, the last Sunday of 2018. Lord, we say be glorified in Jesus' name. So Lord, we ask that you speak to us clearly this morning. In the name of Jesus. Let your name alone be praised forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You're welcome to church. Um, this morning, my, my work uh, is, uh, is very simple. Um, the title of my message is There is a Promised Land. Say to someone, There is a Promised Land. There is a Promised Land. Hallelujah. There is a Promised Land. There is a Promised Land. And you will get there. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You will not get grounded on the way. Amen. I say you will get there. Amen. You will possess your possessions. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So quickly let's go open to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And I'll read from verse 1 to 8. There is a promised land. There is a promised land. Amen. He said, these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan, in the wilderness, in the plain, opposite. So between Paran, Tophel, Laban, Azeroth, and itself It is 11 days journey from Oreb by way of Monsir to Kadesh Benir. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, I mean, you need to note that the Bible says it was 11 days journey, but then the Bible says it came to pass in the 40th year. Uh, from this, we can glean that it was supposed to be what would take them 11 days, but then on, in the 40th year, that's 40 years after. Uh, in the 11 months, as the first day, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel, um, according to all that the Lord had given him as commandment to them. After he had Kishion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Eshbon, and now king of Bashan, who dwelt at Astorat in Edrei, on this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord your God spoke to us in Oreb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain, turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, the mountains and in the lowland and the south and on the sea coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon as far as the great river, um, the river Euphrates. See, I have said the land before you go in and possess the land with the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them and their descendants after them. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, the Bible says that we have that. 
uh, blessing of Abraham. So we tend to sing it, Abraham's blessings are mine. Yeah, this morning the Lord has sent me to remind us that there is a promised land. There is a promised land and I was just trying to look at what is a promised land. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12 verse 7, God promised Abraham that this land, that's the land of Canaan, that I will give not only to you, but to your descendants after you. And we came from that. Hallelujah. So I was looking at what is a promised land. So here I have a definition here. Uh, number one definition of a promised land is heaven. In John chapter 4, I mean, John chapter 14, Jesus said from verse 1, he said that, uh, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me, believe in my father and believe in me also. My father's house are many, we just read. Uh, Canaan is a promised land. Genesis 12 verse 7. And also, number three, uh, looking at the definition of a place or situation believed to hold ultimate happiness. The promised land is a, you know, is a thing that, yeah, is a place or a situation uh, that we believe to hold ultimate happiness. Wow. And, you know, you often hear people say something like, um, you know, my promised land, my promised job, my, you know, people even talk about dream home. You know, more like saying, that's my dream. So I was looking at the cultural definition. Because all those I want to give, they were like the biblical definitions. So I was looking at the cultural definition of a promised land. And this is what I got. An ideal place a person cannot reach except by patience and determination. An ideal place that you cannot reach except by patience and determination. That's a promised land. That's a promised land. Hallelujah. And then I was just looking at, you know, uh, the history of Israel as a nation as a whole. Uh, do you know that the reason why God took them? Uh, because you see that Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 7, Abraham was in that land of Canaan. As a matter of fact, when they left, they left to go. With, that was with his father, but they didn't get there. They stopped. And so now, when God called Abraham to continue the journey, because there was a destination in mind, there was a promise that they didn't get to. God was now saying, okay, your father didn't get there. He stopped at Aaron. I'll take you there. So now Abraham took that journey. And when Abraham got to that land, God said, this place, I will not only give to you, I'll give to your descendant. But when it came to the time of uh, Jacob, uh, what happened was, because of the famine that was Egypt, you know, Joseph was taken uh, as a slave to, I'm just giving us a background to this whole story so we can, we can, we can understand uh, this thing. So Joseph was sold into slavery. I mean, was sold to the merchants and they took him to Egypt and they sold him as a slave to Potiphar. And because of that, there was a time now that when God wanted to glorify himself, all this was part of God's arrangement. Now, when Joseph was in Egypt, there was farming, the Bible says. There was farming all over. Everybody was coming to buy grains in Egypt. So because of that, Joseph's brother also made the journey there. And when they got to Egypt, what happened? They, you know, Joseph saw them, eventually discloses you know, that it was Joseph, their brother, that they sold. And then now... Israel, that's Jacob, now had to move the entire family. 
with his son, how everybody they had to move to Egypt. Because if you read scripture, Bible said from Egypt, he was able to form a nation out of them. By the time they were leaving Egypt to go to Canaan, which was the promised land, the, the place God spoke to Abraham and said, you are going to inherit this land and your descendants after you, God had to now bring them back. Because guess what? Because they were mostly uh, farmers and you know, shepherds, you know, they did not have enough resources at that time to become a nation. So God had to take them to Egypt to build them into a nation and then let them back into Canaan land. Hallelujah. And so that was what God did. And when they were living in Egypt, the Bible, uh, according to um, Bible scholars, they said there were about 600,000 footmen. And, that's in, and you know that usually women are always more than men. Uh, you know, just like that. And then children were there. So, from well, all indication was about over 2 million people that actually left. Hallelujah. You can get all this story in Exodus 14, from Exodus chapter 14 to verse 19. I mean, to chapter 19. Between Exodus chapter 14 to 19, uh, the whole story is there. So there was a place where, uh, you know, before the time that, you know, they had to move, uh, to leave, God had to, before, uh, in Egypt, God had to raise somebody to lead them back to the promised land. I'm going somewhere. And so God had to, you know, Moses was the one, and we know the circumstance to Moses' birth. He was born, and, you know, then he was supposed to have been killed, and eventually it was uh, um, Pharaoh's daughter that, you know, kind of adopted him and raised him. So he grew up in the palace, led the way of the Egyptians. But then one day, of course, the Bible says he refused to compromise because he knew who he was. And the Bible says one day he came out, saw how an Egyptian was maltreating uh, an Israeli, and then he, he struck that one. Uh, he died, and he buried him in the sand. And then he came out another day, and he saw two Israeli fighting, and he was like, why will you be fighting? They said, oh, you want to kill us the way you kill the Egyptian? He thought nobody knew. And then when he, know, when he discovered that, he ran away. And then in, 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 in Exodus chapter 3, uh, he had a burning bush experience. God revealed himself to him, and God sent him back to Egypt. And God gave him a mandate. He said, the cry of my people has reached to me. Now I want you to go and lead them out. It was time. And I want to, at this point, I want to say that, um, or I'm still talking about the history part of it, so that's why it looks a bit long. At this point, I want to say that they were in Egypt, they were supposed to be in Egypt for 400 years, but they were in Egypt for 430 years. I don't know why, but I guess they didn't cry out for deliverance early enough. And that is saying something to us here. The fact that you're a child of God doesn't mean that things will just happen automatically. There are things God has done, yes, but if we don't take advantage of them, they won't just happen. Because a lot of us, we leave our destiny, we leave everything in the hands of God as if we have no part to play. It is called responsibility. And we have a part to play. Praise the Lord. Bible says, give and it shall be given. So if you don't give, it won't be given unto you. <laughs> is, is that not true? Praise the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. So God called Moses and then Moses went and then there were a lot of things that happened. So now uh, they had all manners of things happen uh, during that time. There were a lot of um, 
miracles that happened while they were in Egypt before Pharaoh was able to allow them to go. There were so many plagues uh, that took place. I'm not going to go into all that, uh, you know, bore you with all the details of that. So quickly, let's go quickly to... Uh, so, like I said, over 2 million people left uh, Egypt. And in the same Exodus 14, we saw that Pharaoh pursued them. After he had let them go reluctantly, his heart was hardened and he pursued after them. And so he came after them and what happened? They crossed the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted. Moses was crying unto God. God said, no, no, don't cry unto me. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And so what happened? They went forward. And God made a declaration. He said in verse 13 and 14 of Exodus 14. He said, the Egyptian you see today, you shall see them no more. Because the Lord will fight for you. Hallelujah. So all these were just things that took place while they were going. So they crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptian army were destroyed, verse 14, I mean Exodus 14. And then in Exodus 15, when they crossed to the other side, and Moses closed up the Red Sea, and the Red Sea swallowed the Egyptians, uh, what happened? Miriam led them in songs. That was their first uh, worship experience, so to say. Miriam led them in songs. They were worshiping the Lord. Uh, they sang a song uh, that, you know, Pharaoh and his army, they were perish in the Red Sea and all that and all that. Hallelujah. But in the same Exodus 15, the grumbling started. They started grumbling. They started complaining. Oh, is there no grave in Egypt? Oh, that you brought us here into this wilderness for us to perish. They started grumbling. Oh, no, we, we, you know, we miss the cucumber and the melon that we were eating in Egypt. The same people that were complaining. Because the Bible said they were tasked. They were in pain, in difficulty. Is that not a story of some of us? We, we you know, when we were where we were, Everything we were like, oh Lord, if only you can just give me this little breakthrough. And then God give us a little breakthrough. And then we begin to complain about that little breakthrough as well. You know. It's like uh, someone saying, Lord, I believe you for a husband. And then you get married and then you're complaining. Oh, I don't know. Don't really, I, I don't even know why I got married. Well, sorry. You asked for it and you got it. So in the same Genesis, I mean, Exodus 15... Bitter water turns sweet. All these were just the wandering, the wilderness wandering that they were going through. I'm going somewhere. Now you might be thinking why all this story, but we're going to get there. And so now in the same Exodus, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 16, you know, quail and manna was given to them to eat. Talk of divine provision. They were, on the, they were still on the way. Remember, the journey was supposed to be, uh, we read 11 days from a particular point to a particular point. But overall, the whole journey from Egypt to the promised land was supposed to be 40 days. But it took them 40 years. And the reason why the Lord is sending this word to us this morning is that it will not take us 40 years to get there because God wants to do a quick work in our lives. And we're going to find out how we're going to do that. In Exodus 17, water, they got water from the rock. They were able to drink water from the rock. 
In Exodus 17, there was war with the Amalekites in trying to possess the land. Then, Exodus 18, Jethro advised Moses, you know, on the judicial system to make things uh, a bit easier. And until in Exodus chapter 19, they arrived at Sinai. All right, let's look at the wilderness wonders. Uh, what God did for them when they were in the wilderness before on their way to the promise. And number one, an angel of God and a pillar of cloud and fire gathered the multitude. So every time they were going, there was fire guarding them. There was an angel and there was a pillar of cloud and fire. At night, the fire was there. During the day, there was a cloud. So the enemy couldn't even attack them. The Bible said the fear of them came upon the enemy. Exodus chapter 13, uh, verse 21 to 22. And Exodus, um, and Exodus 14, uh, verse 19. Also, there was a strong wind that made a path for them through the sea. They were able to pass through the Red Sea. Hallelujah. Bitter water were made sweet and drinkable. Exodus 15, 22 to 25. Manna rains from heaven for bread, quail, for bread. Quail are sent to provide meat. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, and verse 13 to 18. Water comes from a rock, Exodus 17, verse 2 to 6. In Exodus 17, verse 9 to 13, when the hand of Moses was raised, victory came. Hallelujah. In Exodus 19, God spoke from the mountain Sinai. Numbers 11, verse 31, the wind brought the quail for them. And in, in, in Numbers 12, verse 5 to 10, Miriam rebelled. And, and I want to stop there before I go on to quickly break down the rest of the story so we can. Um, let's go to Numbers chapter 12. There's something I want to bring up. The Lord was uh, speaking to me over, about this all through the night. And I, He has a word for us about this. Numbers 12, verse 1, it says here, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And I was thinking about this, I was like, the Bible said he spoke about him. Why was it that it was the Lord that heard it? And God said, Moses was too focused. So your journey to the promised land, people will say stuff about you. But you don't worry, God will hear it. And I said, God, how come Moses said, Moses was just too focused on me. He was so focused on, on where he was going. That he didn't even hear what they were saying. 
But the Lord heard it. And it was the Lord that brought Moses' attention. And if you read that story very well, you see that the problem wasn't even that he got married to an Ethiopian woman. The problem was that it was the prophet. The problem wasn't that he got married to somebody that wasn't part of, you know, somebody they were comfortable with. The problem was that he was a prophet. Because look at what they said. They said, is it only through him that God can speak? Is he not speaking through us too? And we know what happened to her. She became leprous because God said, no, 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 no. Even though the same Moses was now the one that was saying, no, Lord, don't, you know, don't, don't do that, you know, forgive and all that. You know. But God said, no, she needs to see, she needs to get a reward for what she did. And as I was just meditating on this, I find out that Aaron, that they started the whole thing together, Aaron was and that's why it's important. God has favorites. And we are his favorites. Please don't join anybody in talking about a man of God, a woman of God, especially when you don't know the detail. Because most of the time we find ourselves, um, you know, sometimes people have personal issues with people. People are not just... I mean, here, there was nothing that Moses did other than he was carrying out his assignment. But these people just, out of envy... They just began to speak against him. By the end of the day, look at what she went through. Aaron, even though he did not go through, you know, he didn't, he wasn't leprous or whatever, but uh, I know that uh, there were things that happened too that probably we was not recorded here. So it's important. And also we find out that the ground open and swallow Korah. Dathan and Abiram, you know, they ganged up too. So I'm, I'm just, you know, reading this so that we know in Numbers chapter 16, verse 19 to 35. In Numbers 17, verse 1 to 11, they worshipped. They made a bronze snake and they worshipped. Because all these things are very, very important. The bronze snake on the pole, they, you know, they worshipped. So now I was looking at all this thing that happened and I was like, Lord, so what happened? Why the delay? You know, they went through all this thing. God did miracles for them before they left Egypt. They saw all manners of signs. They saw how God destroyed the, uh, the firstborn of the Egyptians by the blood, which was supposed to, which was just like a, a shadow. Or what the blood of Jesus, you know, has done for us now. But then, I was asking God, why did they delay getting to the promised land? If it was supposed to take 40 days, why did it take them 40 years? And why is it that all the adults that left Egypt, none of them make it to the promised land, save for Caleb and Joshua? They all perished in the wilderness. I said, God, why? And this is what the things God said to me. Number one, God said they were spiritually inconsistent. He said they were spiritually inconsistent. And God said, if you are neither, he said, I wish that you are either hot or cold. He said, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. God cannot stand those who are spiritually inconsistent. 
The path of the righteous is a shining light, it shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. Consistency. We cannot afford to be inconsistent. We're going to the new year now. You look, you evaluate your life this year. Have you been spiritually consistent? Because you find out that these people will say, this is what we want. And then the next minute they want something else. And God is like, what kind of people are these? Number two, grumbling and murmuring. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 10. Bible said they were destroyed of the destroying angel. Because they, grum- they grumbled. Their grumbling frustrated Moses so much that the man missed his destiny. There was a time Moses said, ah, I can't carry these people. They are, too, they are too burdensome for me. I cannot carry them. Grumbling and murmuring caused the delay to the promised land. Number three, negative confession. They were so negative in their confession. Oh, is there no grave in Egypt that you brought us into this place to die? God said, I'm taking you to the promise. God didn't say I was gonna, he was going to kill them. I'm taking you to the promised land, a place flowing with milk and honey. He didn't say, God didn't say, I'm going to kill them. I'm taking you somewhere. Number four, idolatry. We, we, read, we read that. Idolatry. Numbers chapter 20 and Numbers chapter 21. We saw how they made, you know, a bronze snake. And they began to dance around it. Like a god. They said, we don't even know what has happened to this Moses of a man. Let's make ourselves a god. Bible says we are not we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Anything that we worship or that become an object of worship apart from God is an idolatry. Or is an idol. Number five, unbelief. They didn't even believe anyway. With unbelief, you cannot. Because unbelief is not just that you don't believe in something. It means that you believe in something apart from what the Word of God says. I think I've said that a few times here. If you say somebody, oh, it's, it's full of unbelief. He believes something. It's just that he, didn't, he doesn't believe what the Word of God says. Bible says, let no that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. When you don't believe, you can't receive anything from the Lord. Backbiting, we saw that. Aaron, Miriam, Abiram, Data, Koran, we saw what they did. These are the things that causes delay in getting to the promised land. Number seven, wrong attitude and habits. Being ungrateful. They were never grateful for once. Never grateful. So much that God said, I will give you this manna, you will eat it until, I will give you quail, you will eat it on so much that the thing will come out of your mouth, like your nose. Just to show you that I can take care of you. Forty years in the wilderness, the Bible said their clothes did not tear, their shoe did not wear out. Hallelujah. So quickly, let's look at what... Um, what the force of thanks, praise and thanksgiving. So, in-
have dominion. We can't have negative confession and have dominion. We can't have be spiritually inconsistent and have dominion. We cannot be walking in unbelief. We're not doubters. We're believers. We cannot have wrong attitude and habits. We cannot be ungrateful and expect God to do His miracles. So tying everything up, the force of praise and thanksgiving, what thanksgiving does, number one, thanksgiving opens our eyes to the unseen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, the things we can see, they are temporary, but the unseen things are eternal. They are subject to change. Thanksgiving opens our eyes, open your eyes to see the unseen. Number two, Thanksgiving shifts your focus onto Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Number three, Thanksgiving is a reminder of God's goodness and His love. A reminder of His goodness, Psalm 106 verse 1. A reminder of God's goodness and His love. God is good. We say that God is good all the time, but do we believe it? Number four, thanksgiving draws us into his presence. Come into his presence with, with praise and it's called, I mean, come into his presence with thanksgiving and it's called with praise. So thanksgiving draws us into God's presence. Psalm 140 verse 13. I don't even know how God put up with those people. No wonder they all, they all perished where they perished. Number five, thanksgiving is the key that unlocks our conversation with God. He unlocks our conversation with God. Thanksgiving unlocks our conversation with God. When you have an attitude of thanksgiving, you're able to approach God and God will speak to you. Psalm 100 verse 4. Psalm 50 verse 23. Number six, thanksgiving pleases God. It pleases God. First Thessalonians 5.18 It pleases God when we give thanks. Number seven, it brings clarity in decision making. Instead of grumbling, mm, mm, I don't even know what I am. Number eight, thanksgiving keeps us hopeful. We don't lose hope when we're thankful. If you are thankful, you'll be hopeful. Had it not been for the Lord, where will I be? Thank you, Lord. Psalm 71, verse 14. He said, But I will hope continually, and we praise you yet more and more. Number nine, it banishes fear and doubt. If only they could just worship the Lord for one minute. And lastly, number ten, miracles follow Thanksgiving. And so this last Sunday of the, of, the, of of this year, we just want to give God praise. We want to give God praise. So today is an opportunity to give God. Our quality thanks for everything. The good, the not too good. Romans 8 verse 28 said that we know that all things work together for good. We are not if people don't have a hope. Romans 5 5. 
It says, hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he has given unto us. If you read Psalm 103 from verse 1 to 22, you will see. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All his benefits. There are so many benefits. And I want us to bow down our heads this morning. And we just praise the Lord. I just give him thanks. Give him thanks. Have you been grumbling? Have you been complaining? This is the time to just give God praise. As we prepare to just, the many time we have, just appreciate the Lord this morning. And just thank Him. And just thank Him. And just thank Him. Why don't you just thank Him this morning and just thank Him? Deep down in your heart, just say, Lord, I give you praise. Let's get ready this morning to just give Him praise. If you can rise, can you just rise? So let's just give God the praise this morning. Let's just give Him all the glory this morning. Wonderful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give all the praise. We give all the praise.